Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Go to Ezekiel, if you will. Uh, it's in there in the New Testament or the Old Testament. Just keep scrolling. You'll find it. You can go back past Psalms and Proverbs and Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and you'll bump into Ezekiel. I still do that to this day when I look at some of them books. Do you do that? Do you scroll until you bump into it? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't read off the books in a while. I can probably still do it, but I don't do it that way. I still just. I say, man, I know it's in about here. Do I see it? Okay. I want you to look at this in Ezekiel. This is incredible. Okay, so the the children of Israel were scattered among the nations in verse 19. They were scattered. They were dispersed through the country. Ezekiel 36. I'm sorry. I thought I said it. I'm sorry. Ezekiel 36. Thank you. They were scattered out among the nations. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. Who knows that in the New Testament, it's not wrong to talk about this stuff, guys. Who knows that? You're going to get judged for your life, your works, your fruit. You know them by their, you don't know them by their position. You don't know them by the label itinerant speaker, Dan Moeller. You know them by their fruits. Their life reveals them. When we stand before God in that day, it's not going to be a, a questionnaire. Your life lived is going to reveal what you actually believed. Fair enough? I can, I can prove that scripturally. Scripture teaches that we're going to be judged for the lives we lived. So the life you live reveals where you've settled your faith. Whether you loved him or loved yourself. Whether you loved him, loved others, or loved yourself. The situation a minister Sleeps the girl. What do you do with that? Well, you got to bring that to the, to the attention of, is there restoration? Well, of course there's restoration. Nobody's being hard-headed. We're not cutting people off. But at the same time, this is serious stuff. This is serious stuff. So it's not like, well, it's just a slip-up. No, you, you didn't just sleep with a girl. You disregarded her. You stepped outside of why you're on the planet. Who, who knows this to be true? Ladies, you girls get hit all the time on the sexual end. Uh, the girls get all the names called. The girls growing up, all the little slang hit the girls. If we were in school and we knew some girl slept with some guy, she got all the names. The guy didn't get a name. Y'all know that I'm telling the truth? So you got a girl that's working the street and she's prostituting. She's got a lot of nicknames. And we see her a certain way. But yet men are still picking her up and they're still paying money for her services. But she gets all the heat for what she's doing. But what about the men? Watch this. This is sobering. Watch this. 
you might be amazed who's in a worse place. Because that lady's so blind and deceived, she threw away honor a long time ago. She's confused. She might even have addictions. She might just be blind and deceived to a lot of things, numb and just survival mode, right? She's not even thinking nothing else, and this has become natural to her. Who knows? I, I've worked in this arena enough. This is what happens. But then you got a guy pulling up who's on the earth to give her Jesus. The whole reason he's on the earth is to walk in God's image. The whole job description of that man is to walk in the light as he's in the light and let your light so shine. She's lost. She's deceived. She's blind. He's just driven and in need. He's not on drugs, but he's got a hundred bucks and he's got an itch and she'll do. You might be amazed where that pans out in the end. And how he took advantage of her vulnerability and how he fed her lie when he's anointed to break it. But nobody talks about the men. You're not on the earth to take advantage of people. You're on the earth to lay down your life and love people. Every man that's ever solicited a prostitute without repentance is in a very scary place. Because wonder if she's a little one. Wonder if she's one that's so crushed and so, and where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And you passed by her and had an opportunity to be in a different position and you used her for her weakness. That's how I counsel. That's how I pastor when people get caught in this stuff. Because it's way bigger than an act of sin. There's things that make it possible that need looked at. And it's not just sit down and step out of ministry for a while. No, it's, man, it's time to reevaluate and get back to Jesus and get close with God. Because this I know, you can weigh me on this, Pastor, but I'm going to say it pretty bold from your pulpit. If you're living in the Spirit and in fellowship with God, you're not sleeping with the girl. Fair? Because the Bible says so. So instead of just saying, well, you know, we just are weak. It's amazing he considers us. We'll do what we tend to do, you know. Uh, I never do what I want to do, and I always do what I don't want to do. <sighs> I didn't growl at you. I just growled at that lie. <sighs> that lie, that's a lie. So then when you try to adjust this, if this person rebuts, balks, Fusses, well, that says it all, doesn't it? Because there's no brokenness. You're not even realizing what you did to another person. Now you're self-centered. It's all about you and you don't agree with the council. And I don't think I should have to sit down for, I mean, what's that going to change? I should still be able to. And all of a sudden, it's just all about you. And now you disagree. And now you're in this whirlwind of self-centered delusion in the name of the Lord. That's something. I know that doesn't sound like a real happy message. It's a sober message. What I'm telling everybody that took the time to come out here this morning, we all have the honor of living in integrity. We all have the possibility. We all have the grace afforded to us. The more we get to know God and walk in God, the more we'll walk in a reverence towards Him and actually love one another. And, and your relationship with God is actually revealed by the way you love and live your life. The barometer of you knowing God is the measuring stick of that is how you live your life 
towards others. Look, you can be the senior elder. You can be the head spokesman on the board. You can be the pastor. You can be the worship leader. But if you're not loving your spouse, if you're not keeping peace and walking in peace in your home, and, and, you, and you, you have an attitude about you when nobody's looking, and you do, then you're giving yourself away. It's an indictment against you that you don't know him like you could. And you're hiding behind position instead of relationship revealing your life. Are you with me? It's just okay to talk about this stuff. Because the last thing I want to do is just have some message. People say all the time, there ain't people preaching what you're preaching. I don't hear it out there like, I wonder why it's not out there. Man, when you preach, let's just make sure that we're just not listening to the preaching and drawn to it because it feels new. Let's not just embrace a new language. Let's not be fad-driven. The new fad, the new thing, the new slogan, the new song. Let's live as new creations. Let's be new people. Yeah? <laughs> Have a new motive and a new mindset. And a fresh wellspring of life on the inside. Why? Because we woke up for a reason today. We woke up to shine and we woke up to love. And nobody can touch that when it's sincere. That's what Pastor was talking about earlier. Nobody owing me a thing. Think about that. If God made that switch in my heart 25 years ago and taught me that I was waking up to be loved instead of waking up to love and he made that shift. You just think about what that would do in your marriage if you don't wake up to be loved. Because if you wake up to be loved, you could be disappointed and you have them on thin ice and you're watching them and waiting. And their function towards you is deciding who you are and how you are. And if it's less than Christ, then it's somebody else's fault. So you're set up with an alibi and you'll never change. But if you wake up to love, that's a whole different world, my friend. It's called the kingdom of God. And it's at hand. See, we're not Christians just to be loved by God. We're Christians to become the love of God. And when we sincerely get that, we understand Joseph's response. And we're not even amazed by it. We're sobered, we're impressed, we're, we're, we're like, yeah, we want to follow that, but we're not like, how could he do that? You see what I'm saying? So this Ezekiel thing is amazing. I want you to see this. So they're dispersed. It says, this is God talking through Ezekiel. And when they came to the nations, watch this, this is, this is tough, this is tough. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. Lot, I used to read this. I couldn't even get through it without crying. I'm, gonna, I'm taking a risk today. Listen, the only reason they were the children of Israel, they weren't special favorite people. He chose them as a first fruit, as a holy lump. He pulled them out of the earth for a reason. The reason he selected the children of Israel and what he selected them for was that the nations of the earth would know me through you. That's why he sanctified them as a first fruit and a holy lump. And then and showed them his ways and gave them all these statutes and stuff because his goal was, he, he, what he's doing is, guys, he's keeping the reason man's on the earth alive through the fall of man before Jesus Christ in the cross. Wise man on the earth in the first place. Let us make man in our don't ever forget that. The reason man's on the earth is to be found in God's image, period. You can't get away from it. It's from the beginning. 
God didn't just make man. Man's not happenstance. Man wasn't, didn't come out of boredom. God wasn't just messing around one day and said, oh, cool. He made man with intention and purpose. And when man stepped out of that intention and purpose over into darkness, he came and took care of the problem to get him out of darkness into the light. Are you following what I'm saying? So he has this prototype, if you will, Israel. A holy lump in the world, not supposed to be of the world. Sanctified and set apart that the nations of the world would know him through them. Instead, what happened? When they were dispersed and went out among the nations, watch this. Everywhere they went, they profaned. Profane means godless. They misrepresented me completely. That's what that means. Are you with me? And my holy name. They profaned it. And they said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they've gone out of his land. How many times have people felt the need to say they were a Christian, and people say they're a Christian? And they're a Christian? And then you get all these horror stories. You got pastors running off with worship leaders. You got crazy stuff going on. And then we think it's 10 times worse because it's a pastor because that's how we, and we're like, well, they're Christians? They're, I, sit, I sit beside people on airplanes all the time. Countless. I, I couldn't count how many people I've sat beside. We get talking. They don't go to church anymore because of people, which is, is deception. And I usually can have them crying in a few minutes. I, most of them cry. I can usually have them crying in seven to ten minutes, five. But I'm not joking because I call them on that because you can see the anger in their heart and their judgment towards people, but it keeps them out of fellowship with God. Now they have no relationship with God. So their church attendance is their relationship. So when that's not happening, this certainly ain't happening. And I talk to them about what their mindset is robbing them of and that right now they're void of knowing him and he's not vibrant and relevant in their life because they're hurt because of people and you're being greatly deceived and you don't know him like you could. People are living with that conviction. When you touch it and you speak about it, I can't tell you how many people sat beside me on airplanes and cried over that one topic. Because when you say it, they know it's true and they feel far from God. It's because their hearts are angry and hurt and frustrated, but they're holding on to the right to be all those things, but none of those things are Him, so you can't have both. So you're going to have to give something up. Probably ought to give that up to get Him. Yeah? Yeah? But the reason they're saying it is, well, I just quit going to church because, well, Christians just make me so mad. Well, you know, people, and they're supposed to know better and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, well, why do you let what they're not seeing become your vision? Like you're letting where they're living dictate your life. So the whole reason you're not going is because of them. So you're being totally influenced. And now you're separated from communion fellowship with God because I can hear it in your heart. I can tell you don't have this right now in your life. And I'll talk real straight with them. If I can get my hand on their shoulder. It's really good. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I've had people crying hard. And I enjoy that. Because I'm not going to leave them there. That crying hard is their conviction. That's them saying they're hearing and you're hitting the nail on the head. And I live with this conviction. And then we make the shift on the airplane. 
and just bring in the love of God and restoration. And we pray together and it's usually a fun time and you get 10 hugs before you head out. You know how many times I left my seat and had people waiting for prayer on the plane or in the jetway? Many times up to four people waiting in the jetway for prayer. We've never hit five to this day. I've been saying that for too long now. We got to hit five. We've never had five. But we've turned like the whole waiting for the gate check bags. We've turned that into church services already. We've had somebody get healed, come down, and then you end up sharing the heart of God with everybody that's waiting for their bags because they're just there. Just all in the day of flying, just going to preach the gospel. You might as well live it. If you're going to go preach it, you might as well live it. Or you can just wear the badge, speaker. And be quiet all day till you get a mic. Probably not. <laughs> so what causes all that? Sometimes we think it's just calling, anointing. And it is grace, but sometimes we miss that it's your reverence towards God. It's your actual love for Him because you see His love for you. Do you know how many people don't receive the forgiveness of the Lord to where they actually believe they're clean and never look back again and just rejoice in being free and clean? I asked the Lord why people struggle with anger. You know what he spoke to me? He said they don't realize how much they've been forgiven and how forgiven they are. And the glory of forgiveness hasn't washed over them to where they just want to forgive because it brings such salvation. Like God's not trying to forgive you. Like, if you're trying to forgive, you're in unforgiveness. Hello? Well, brother, give me time. Some of this stuff takes time. I just need time. Who says? Ask Jesus if that's true. Where did we get all this language? Not from him. I hope you're all right this morning. You say, I got up and came here for this. Yes! Yes! <laughs> I want you to see this. They went out and they profaned my holy name. And they said, these are the people of God. But I had, watch what God said. See, it, who knows that he does love us? But his love has a lot of purpose in it. It's, it's not like he just, oh, well, I don't mind where you've been. I don't care what you did. He's not like, it's not some weird mushy thing. He knows you're more than what you're living. He knows you have a created purpose and value that's way beyond what we've even thought about. Like he loves who he created us to be. And he loves you in that truth. He knows what you'll look like if he's in you and you're surrendered. That's worth paying for to him. You get it? He doesn't, it's not like he's like, Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I know you've been. Yeah, no, it's no big deal. Just come here. Welcome home. It's not that. He knows you're more than what you're living. He Grace abounds. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He's not giving you what you deserve. He's giving you what he created you for. He's getting you out of a lie and putting you into truth. He's transforming your life and changing your purpose. Guys, that's Christianity. Christianity has to be that. We can't just let Christianity be bringing God into my life in hopes of a better one. Maybe he's going to heal my marriage and give me a promotion and he's going to protect us and keep my kids well and praise the Lord. 
And then sickness hits the home and we fall apart and wonder where God is and we're mad and we don't even pray anymore. Well, you never had a covenant in the first place. You had a delusional genie in a bottle. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's a father. And he wants you to be his child. Do you understand how strange that became to the Israelites? When Jesus was on the earth in John 5, he was on the earth in John 5. They already wanted to kill him for things he was saying. But in John 5, he called God his father. Woo, boy, that caused some trouble. He called God his father, and it says right after that, so they wanted to kill him all the more because he called God his father, therefore making himself equal with God. Now, you can't hardly preach this because people will hear what you're not saying. He, <laughs> we got to see we're on that plane. We were created to be his children. We were created for his image. He made Adam to never die. He said the day you eat the tree is the day you die. Why? He made him to be eternal and live forever with him. Death only came in the picture because of sin. So Jesus took away sin and life came back to men. That's why we're going to live forever. We were always created to live forever. It's not some new plan. But we were created to be one with him so that who he is is revealed through our lives till the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. Are you with me? So he calls God his father and it says, therefore making himself equal with God. They were so estranged from the person of God, but they had all the laws and statutes and religion to the T. And yet when God was called father by Jesus, they wanted to kill him all the more. But when they asked him to teach them how to pray, what did he say? When you pray, say, ah, oh, What's she saying? Look, guys, stop freaking out. He ain't only my father. He's your father, too. You want to kill me for the truth? I'm not on a high pedestal here. I'm not making myself to be something I'm not. I've always been with him, but so are you from the beginning. And I was slain before the foundation of the world. That's all in Jesus' heart and mind. He ain't saying that in that conversation, but I promise you that's all in his mind. Because that's what he's doing. So when you look up the word father there and the use of father, you know what it means? It means to come forth from. What he's saying is, he's my father. I came forth from him. He's your father too because he's your root and source. You came forth from him too. Matthew 23, 9, he says, don't call any man on earth your father. That doesn't mean you sin on Father's Day when you send off the card. What he's saying is don't limit, regulate, and identify your life through natural means. Don't let heritage and biological stuff rise above the truth of why you're here and who you are and where you came from. That's why it's such a tragedy when Christians get so caught up in their history that it grays them out or they find out something and it makes them feel less than or they're embarrassed of some kind of root or some kind of thing in their history or heritage. None of that has anything to do with who you are standing here with Christ on the inside of you. But because we don't have healthy identity, we're longing, we're looking, you know, we're tracking our ancestry and we're finding all this stuff out. And we're intrigued and enthralled. Man, I would encourage you to call no man on earth your father. That's Jesus. That's not my preaching because you have one father. There's Christians today still seeking counsel every day because they didn't have the love of a father. Are you kidding me? You have the love of a father. You're just trying to find the father's love through the wrong one you're calling father. It's you're, 
You don't, you don't necessarily find God through someone. You find God through Jesus Christ. You say, I can't receive the love of God because I didn't have a loving father. You shouldn't even make that make sense to you. Where does it say that I'm damned and doomed because I didn't have a loving father? Now I can't receive the love of God because my father didn't love me. There's nothing to do with nothing. You're just simulating the two names, father, father. Well, yeah, but I didn't have a good father figure. You have an amazing father figure. And you find his love through Jesus Christ, not your daddy who was missing it and bankrupt. If you're drinking from a dry cup, of course you're thirsty. So why don't you drink from the one that said, if you'd ask me for a drink, I'd give you a drink. And one drink, just one drink, you'll never thirst again. You'll know who you are. And you'll never long again. You'll never be alone again. You'll never wander again. Just one drink. You'll never thirst again. What's he talking about? Identity. You guys good? I'm trying to cover this and then I get off and cover other stuff. Yeah, it feels good to my heart. See, my dad was alcoholic growing up. My dad wasn't there like a lot of dads. Now, he did some things. He was a functional alcoholic. He still worked. He took me hunting. He took me fishing and did some things like that. But it was always tension. It wasn't real good fellowship, if you know what I mean. And it was never like one time in my life. One time in my life, he, he played with me outside of hunting and fishing. One time he went down. I talked him into going down playing wall ball. One game of wall ball with me. Like he didn't just come to the basketball court and shoot a ball. Or didn't just go out and throw in the alley. Or something. It, was, it wasn't like that. He wasn't there. He was drinking and stuff. So if I sit here and say, well, I can't relate to the love of God because I didn't have a loving father. How robbed and deceived is that? I don't have to have a loving father to receive the love of God. I don't find the love of God through my dad. I find the love of God through a crucified son. I find the love of the father through the cross. This right here says, love you. Hey, I know who you are from the beginning. Nothing was made that wasn't made through me. I'm the light of the world. Come to me. I'll give you life. Love you. Known you from the beginning. Isn't that what the cross is saying? I think some of us think it's saying, you bunch of sinners, I hope you're happy. Look what your sin did to me. Don't you think it's time to cry and say you're sorry? Rather than look at the cross and go, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? You're restoring a truth. You become what I was so I can put on who you've always created me to be. You, this is the great exchange. You, when you died, I died. When you rose, I rose with you. I was buried in the likeness of your death. I died to sin once for all. Now I'm alive unto God, just like you. Wow, firstborn among many. <laughs> you see what's wrong with me. See, don't blame me. It's the gospel's fault. I actually believe the gospel. Like for 25 years, I believed this thing. You're out of your mind. I might be out of yours. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness, but I had concern for my holy name. You know, some of us would like him to say, I just love people so much. He does. But watch this. God's saying, I had concern for my holy name. Now, is he being selfish? Is he being self-righteous? Is he being, why do you have concern for his holy name? 
Because if you don't see God clear for who he really is, you won't be drawn and attracted to him. When you see God for who he really is, it brings the best out in you. He is amazing and overwhelming and words can't describe. So the reason the name of God is so marred in our lives from little up is so we never have the heart to draw super close to him. That's a, that's a device of the enemy to profane the name of the Lord. So if he made God for his, if he made man for his image, but his image gets marred. You get what I'm saying? Come on. Isn't his name important? He's magnified his word above his name. Why did he do that? Because the word reveals the glory and power of his name. But isn't his holy name important? When you say the person of God, your view of what that means, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they gave him all their answers. And then he said, but who do you say? You have to answer that question. And your answer will determine how close you get. Are you with me? He had concern for his holy name, which the house of the Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Wherever they went. Why are they on the earth? So that men would know God through them, but wherever they went, they misrepresented the purpose. Can you see this as a prototype? This is a type and shadow of the New Covenant New Testament church. Like, I know we're looking, we're talking about revival, and we think that when the gospel's heard in every corner of the earth, and we're trying to pipe it in under all the bushes and hit every person that never heard it, I, I, I think that's how we interpret that scripture. But it's the gospel of the kingdom, and when they become one as we're one, then the world's going to know. What's he talking about? He's talking about one. He's talking about love. He's talking about us being on the same page, following him. Same purpose. When you see me, you've seen him. Wonder if God's given us that great honor and we're fighting over it in a false humility. Wonder if you can actually walk in Christ Jesus and shine as a light in the earth. You think? You think it's possible? So instead of desiring to get treated better by others, why don't you just become more like him and forget about how anybody's treating you? And why don't you put on the highest purpose so you can walk through life in him? Are you with me? Come on, I've pastored. I've met too many people hurt, discouraged. They got a story. They got a reason why. There's teaching out there that tells marriages that you need to serve one another in a certain way because your spouse is made a certain way. And if you don't, you're going to be letting them down. They'll never grow up into what they could be. That is deception. You're telling me that I'm limited to the other people around me. And then if I'm not getting what I need from that person, it's their fault. That cannot be the gospel. Hey, you didn't hear Jesus say, well, I know you're probably struggling with some of the thoughts and feelings going through me right now, but you should know why. I mean, you saw everything that went down. He just said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. If they really knew, they wouldn't be doing this. If they really saw, they wouldn't be living this way. Would you forgive them, Father? That's why we're here. We know this thing. Forgive them. They don't know. You know what we say? Oh, I think they know what they're doing. They're doing it on purpose. They're just doing that. They just learn how to push my buttons, and they just like to try to get a rise out of me. And I wish God would knock them off their high horse is what I would. Isn't that how people talk? 
And then they get all personal and self-centered and a million miles from the truth. I'm not being mean. I'm being real. A million miles from the truth. If you're just living discouraged because of circumstances, you're missing why grace woke you up this morning or mercy. He gave you one more day to be more like him. And you're getting caught up in your day instead of caught up in him. You say, well, you don't know what they're doing to me at work. Do you know what they did to Jesus the whole time? Well, you don't know what they put me through. Do you know what they put him through? Don't make your story greater. Look, I'm sorry people don't understand, but don't be a product of their ignorance. Don't, don't, don't be a product of what they don't understand. Be a product of something you see. And walk in the light as he's in the light. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they did this stuff to me, they're going to do it to you. Yeah? Come on, guys. Why am I preaching this stuff? I think it all has to do with integrity toward God. It has to do with reverencing him and honor towards him. I think it's cool that Joseph said to Potiphar's wife, are you kidding me? I've been, there's nothing he's given me that he hasn't given me in his whole house. But one thing, and it's you, you're his wife. How could I? Are you kidding me? I couldn't do this before my God. I just think that is so incredible. So here's what he did. He said he had a concern for his name. So in verse 22, he said to the house of Israel, and thus says the Lord, I do not do this for your sake. Now you be honest with me. Have you heard countless gospel preaching messages that are simply beneficial and for your sake? Countless messages. Almost the total focus of almost every Christian message is giving us something from God. Is beneficial. Something we're getting from him because he's good. And then because we preach that and sing he's good, people can't sing he's good because something didn't work the way they were hoping and the promise didn't come true and whatever the pastor said. And they're standing there hurt and their hands are in their pocket and they're wondering why we're all singing he's good because he wasn't good. If he's good, why'd they die? If he's good, then why'd they die? If he's good, why'd they get divorced? Come on. And human reasoning and the wisdom of the world can rule the soul of man like that and keep him from the truth because his motive turned inward and he's self-focused. Come on. There's a lot of discouraged people that go to church. And that's an indictment against us that we don't understand the gospel. I preach passionate. I preach aggressive. I preach very pointed. Have you noticed? It's not because I have a theology. I have a life in Christ. For 25 years, things haven't gone the way you hope. Not for anybody. There's people I've buried, lost along the way. My wife went through identity crisis. My kids took wrong turns. We have years and history of stuff we had to walk through just like any other family. And I'm not going to compare horror stories because it's useless. Because it's not a horror story when you're in the truth. Nothing changes why you woke up this morning. Nothing, no circumstance in your life should be given the power to change why you're alive. You shouldn't let one individual decide who you are and how you are unless it's King Jesus. Well, I'd be doing better if, no, nope, that's a lie. Because even if that would change, you're still vulnerable and you still need your ducks in a row. You still need people to cooperate. And somebody's going to get out of line and then you're going to fall short and weakness is going to be exposed. Come on. Jesus' own men bailed on him. He was not a hurting minister. 
He rose from the dead and said, go tell my brethren. He didn't say, go tell my weak-willed, backstabbing two-face. No account, say one thing, do another. Followers, yeah, right. How about runners? Sat there at the table and all said, they'll die for me. I'll die for him. I'll die for him. Yeah, you die for me. Come on. You put Jesus' story in the average pastor's lap and he's hurt and needs a sabbatical in ministry. Because he's drawing something from ministry and he's drawing something from people and people all let you down all the time. You don't wake up to be fulfilled by people. You wake up to love people. Yeah? Come on, how else people say, people get misled. They say, well, that was Jesus. No, that was love. When you see Jesus, you don't see some separate, unattainable. He doesn't want you to see him that way. Or he would have never said, follow me in the things I do, you'll do if you believe. He said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. That sounds like one. He said, all authority in heaven and earth, Matthew 28, has been given unto me. Now go in my name. He said, go make disciples of every nation. He didn't say make confessing Christians that attend church. He said, make disciples, wholehearted, disciplined learners, wholehearted followers. Go reproduce me in men. Go multiply me. How are they going to multiply him if they aren't multiplied? Next thing you know, we get reduced to preaching doctrine. And then because we can't agree, we have to have a whole bunch of other churches. Now we have churches on top of churches. But are we reproducing Christ? Or are we just camping in our preferred theology and arguing over coffee? Who's right? And hating one another in the process. Or are we manifesting Christ? Oh, come on. Wherever they went, they profaned my name. But you know what I'm going to do? He said, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to do it for your sake. O house of Israel, watch this. But for my holy name's sake, which you have misrepresented among all the nations wherever you went. Do you hear the potential for honor there and integrity? Listen, you could be in a house of four and three in that house of four might not want nothing to do with Jesus and you're still going to answer for how you stewarded what you understood and knew in Jesus. And are you going to let what the three don't see become your vision or are you going to let the light of the world be your eye? That's the hard questions you got to answer. Are you just going to get caught up in psychology and get somebody to understand your pain and allow you to stay there with permission? Come on. See, I'm aggressive because I was in all this stuff. I've lived through all this stuff. When them Hebrew boys went through the fire, you couldn't tell they were in the fire. You can't tell me them boys weren't more passionate than most people could handle when they came out of that fire of Nebuchadnezzar. We are trying to tone people down nonstop. We are wigged out by enthusiasm. Well, you ain't being real. Is that for real? You want to see all the emails that I get. People say, I found you on YouTube, and the first thing I thought, is this guy for real? He can't be for real. It's the first impression. He can't be for real. Nobody can be that. That's a put on. That's his gimmick. 
You'd think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, hey, we made it through. They're all wrapped up. They can't see. They're bound. They're tied up. The next thing they see is one like the Son of Man in the middle of the fire. Who's Lord of the fire? He didn't put the fire out. He's Lord of the fire. He put the fire out. He ain't one bit afraid of the fire. He's Lord. And let the fire rage. Sometimes your problem never goes away. Why? Because the answer of who you can be in the fire is way greater than the problem going away. Come on, I hope you got that. It's not about him fixing all the stuff up and making it all. Sometimes it's about him fine-tuning you and representing who he is in the middle of that thing. They came out of that fire. Scripture says that when they came out of that fire, there's no way you could tell they were in that fire. They weren't singed. They had no burned hair. You couldn't even smell any smoke on them. Scripture says. But I'll bet when you looked at them, there was intense emotion and passion. And I'll bet you the reason there was passion is because they've been through fire. <laughs> and all of a sudden, him being Lord over the fire isn't theology. Isn't a Sunday morning amen. Maybe him being Lord of the fire is an absolute revelation in reality. And it might be accompanied with passion. Maybe when you see extreme passion in a person, it's because they've been through plenty of fire and walked him out through it and didn't let the fire change truth, but let truth keep him free. See, you have to understand those Hebrew boys didn't love their own life unto death. They didn't even have a need to answer Nebuchadnezzar about the fire. And they didn't say, oh, God, you can't let us burn. We took a stand for you. God, we're taking a stand for you. You should be able to protect us from this fire, Lord. Now, they made it clear to Nebuchadnezzar that what's your fire to do with us? We ain't going to. And they said, and even if we don't, if God doesn't, you know, you need to understand you're not the Lord. We ain't bound to you. He's the Lord. Nevertheless, O king, the Lord will deliver us from your fire. I mean, it's just a powerful story. You know what I love about it? He sends these two guards down with the guys all bound up. The king's decree was so urgent. The fire was so hot, it was like way hotter than normal. When they opened the door to roll the boys in, you know what happened, right? The heat of the fire came out and consumed the two guys. Toasty bacon, done. Like done. So here's my question. Scripture doesn't, how'd they get in? I think Jesus came and said, this is going to be awesome. Because he's Lord over the fire. And the two guards got swallowed up by the fire. You got three men all wrapped up. They can't even, they're all bound. How did they get in that furnace? If you couldn't get close without getting toasted. Angel of the Lord. Because the whole story was never about the fire. It was about integrity. 
It's about who you're going to serve and who you live for. You're not afraid to die. They were under an old covenant where the fear of death was the bondage of every man. But somehow they didn't have that. You know the fear of death is consuming the church today? Because we came in with a survival mentality and we're Christians to get by instead of to shine. So we're using God for our sake instead of his great namesake. That's a general statement. Make sure that doesn't fit with you. Man, this is good. It's getting better. I was nervous a while ago. I was like, what are we doing, Lord? I have no clue what we're even doing. I know what's in my heart, this integrity thing. But that story nails that thing home. They weren't afraid to die. It was never about the fire. It was never about, oh, God, we're going to die. How'd you let us get it? We're taking a stand for you. Paul and Silas, they're chained to a wall. They're backs. They're that prison, come on. That's not today's prisons. It was probably a, a hollowed-out cave, a rock wall with water and mold and nasty, and they're chained to it, and their backs are hanging open from being whipped. And they're worshiping God. They're not saying, God, I can't believe this. You told us to go evangelize. You think you can watch our back and be our rear guard. You said you're our rear guard. I know the Bible's not quite written yet, but when it's written, it'll say that. <laughs> they, they're not complaining. They don't know how to complain. There's no love for their own life. Because they have an integrity toward God. That's why they're singing praises and everybody in the cells took notice. They weren't profaning his name because of their circumstance. They weren't shipwrecking their faith. They weren't, they weren't changing their view of the goodness of God. And it says the prisoners took notice to their attitude and saw their sincerity that nobody's prompting this. It's coming out of their heart and they're singing praises to God with their backs cut open, chained to a wall. They're not, I can't believe God. I thought he would protect us. I can't believe it's going to be like this, man. How are we going to go into any other villages if they're going to do this, man? I can barely take that. 39 stripes, are you kidding me? Paul was beat how many times with 39 stripes? Was it three? And with rods, how many times? I think the rods was five. I could have it backwards. Don't quote me on it. Don't send me an email. I just, I'm just, I'm asking. Can you imagine getting beat 39 times with that cattail thing? Then a lot of men died. And then you go into another town, and now they're ripping your shirt, and they're ready to do it the second time when you already know from the first time what's coming. Can you imagine the third time? And he's still preaching. I don't know about you. That's something I want. I want to understand that. I want to understand what can move a man and drive a man past 39 stripes three times and not blink. Get stoned and get up and go right back in the city. I, I take notice to that. Whew. He's not going to do it for their sake, but for his great namesake. Okay, this is so good. See, it is so fun when Holy Spirit just shows up and helps you understand in the last moment. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, because I just used Paul as an example, didn't I? Didn't I? You want to see something he wrote? It just shot in me right here. I didn't have this planned. It just shot in me. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
which is really good to get to know your Bible so you can go right there. So you're talking to somebody. Did you notice how I quote scripture constantly when I'm making comments? Did you notice how I'll make a statement and I'll wrap two, three scriptures around it? Did you notice? I don't always share where it's at, but can can you hear the scriptures? That's on purpose. That's in the Holy Ghost. That's to tie up the statement so it's not a statement of your own. It's coming from scripture. So let's just go to Paul. Watch what Paul said. Now we'll, get, now we'll understand Paul's attitude. Look at verse 9. He, he's talking about the gospel. And he's talking about in, in, in Timothy uh, to, to uh, be strong in verse 1 in the grace of God. And, and the things you've heard among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men which would be able to teach others also. Why? Because their lives will get multiplied. They'll have expression. So what's imparted to you, man, surround yourself with men that are interested, that care enough to become this message, and they can impart it to others, and this thing can keep on rolling, right? Isn't that what he's saying? It's a big deal. It's not to become preachers, full-time ministry. Come on! Listen it's like a sound like a gong. <laughs> That's cool. You probably can't hear that. Can you hear that? Oh, I can hear that. <laughs> I said that and I hit that and I dong. Dong. <laughs> I thought that wrestler guy was coming. That there's a wrestler guy. So he goes on and he talks about no one engaged. See, do you think this way? Do you think this way? You want to think this way. You don't want to just think blessings and provision and protection and what I need for my day to go good. You will be so weak and vulnerable by the end of your day. And the only days that are good are the days that went the way you were hoping. And then you question your faith and why isn't your prayers working? And then you get weary and well-doing because you think it ain't working anyway. I don't know what's wrong. Somehow, me and God, I don't know what's up. Come on, I've been around that. I've heard that. I've tried to pastor that. Well, I don't take real long. I just... I do, and it's not because I'm insensitive. I, I, I just, you just, there's no need to stay there. It's not producing life, so you can't be on the right track. So if what you're thinking isn't edifying, let's just attack what you're thinking instead of justifying what you're thinking. Because if it ain't producing life, you don't need a right to stay there. Like, I don't need a right to justify my life if it's not producing Christ. Well, I'm this way because. It doesn't matter because. And I'll listen. I'll take the time to listen. But I promise you, the Word can chop that up and change your mind. I've watched it happen countless times. People come for counsel, and they want to tell you the saddest story ever, but they don't realize what's happened to them along the way. And they become inward and, and feel sorry for themselves. It's the loneliest party you'll ever be at. If you deny yourself, how can you feel sorry for yourself? Come on. That's not insensitive. I know there's tough stories out there. But guys, we can start with you, sir. We can go down every seat and we can talk about everybody's hell story, everybody's trauma, everything that we've all been through. And you'd hear some serious stories just in this room. And at the end of the room, when we get way over here, the only thing we'll establish in our minds is who's been through the most hell. And then what? Then we can't even touch them because we can't relate to them. And we're just glad we're not them. And we thought our story was bad till we heard theirs. And it gives us some sense of relief, but we can't help them 
because they're stereotyped by their story, and then we're going to get David up here and sing it's all about heaven. And then I'm confused. Ain't that something? I'm not being insensitive, and I know there's been some tough things. You see, you don't understand. I was touched wrong when I was young. wonder if I was. What I'm saying is none of that changes what we're talking about. None of that changes the truth. That's just a revealing of empty people, people that were lost, and, and, and this tool of sin trying to reproduce itself and just stuff another generation. Yeah? And just get you to be stereotyped by the way life unfolded. Instead of identified by the very giver of life that wants to live in you. Separate you and sanctify you from all that stuff. Yeah? What did he say to Esther? What did Mordecai say to Esther? Consider not yourself. Or maybe you were born for such a time as this. And what did she do? She walked into the presence of the king, which could have brought her death for the sake of a nation, that they might be saved. Prototype, type and shadowed Christ. Esther, praise God. Would Mordecai say, consider not. I'm going to be strong with you. I've been all morning anyway. Every time you're frustrated, every time you're discouraged, every time you're disheartened. Every time you're in well-doing, you're considering yourself. If you're seeking first the kingdom of God, none of those things have a place to land. If you're living for his great name and for the sake of others, none of those things have a validity. None of them have a place to land. Not one of them, if your motive's clear. As soon as they have a place to land, you've got to look at why there's a landing strip and where that landing strip is. And you've got to get rid of the landing strip. If you get rid of the landing strip, the plane can't land. It'll just circle till it's out of gas. It'll crash and be no more. Get it? And it might try to fly in your zone, but it has nowhere to land. Sooner or later, it's just going to, why? Because you submit to God, you resist, and it'll flee. Are you with me? Let's look, at, let's look at Timothy, and I'll be done. I wanted to be done by 12 anyway. It's just a teaching morning. I hope you're good with this. Just stirring you on. Integrity means a lot. Living for his great name. God himself said to Israel, I didn't do this just for your sake. Look, I'm not doing this for your sake. I'm doing it for my great name. Why? Because he made men for his image. So if men aren't modeling his image, how can we know God through men? So we've reduced it to teaching and theology differences. And now we have camps all over the place. Are you with me? Instead of Christ in us, the hope of glory and manifesting him. So Paul says in verse 9, he talks about the gospel and then he says, for which I suffer trouble. Would you say Paul's list of stoning, beating, whips, would you say that's persecution? Which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal, as if I'm a criminal. And then look how powerful this is. He says, but the word of God's not imprisoned. 
Why? Because he's going to be a light wherever he's at. I mean, there was guards here in the gospel and stuff. He was counting it a privilege. He was in some of those positions because he had access to people he had never had access to. So Paul's just seizing every moment instead of feeling sorry for himself. That sure beats Paul and Silas hanging on a wall. God, I just can't believe you let this happen to us. I don't know what we're doing wrong and where we opened the door. I thought you were our protector, God. I thought you're the one that keeps us safe, God. And all the prisoners are listening going, what a broken bunch of guys. Instead, they don't know how to do that. They're just praising God because they just think it's amazing to be dead and yet alive. Dead to themselves and alive unto God. So watch this. Now watch. You think he would say that he does this for Christ's sake, but watch. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of... You think it would say Christ. I do all these things for the sake of Christ. Look what he says. For this reason, I endure all these things for the sake of of the people that are chosen for the church. I endure these things to set a healthy, proper example of what a crucified life looks like. He didn't spiritualize it and say, I do these things for the sake of Christ. He said, I do these things for the sake of Christ's people. That's so powerful. In other words, my life matters in the eyes of men so much that I endure persecution because it sends the most healthy message to them and empowers them to walk out their own faith. So I'm not complaining, I'm not giving up, I'm not drawing back, and I'm not going to love my own life even unto death. I do it for the sake of those who are chosen that they also may obtain salvation. Listen, when you're self-centered, you're not free. You can be forgiven of your sins, but if you're not, if you're self-centered, you're not free. It's a bondage because you were never created for yourself, you were created for His image. So they may obtain salvation, which is from who? Christ Jesus. Here's the problem. We've reduced salvation to a destination instead of a way of life. We've turned salvation into a destination. And he said, the kingdom of God, that heaven that you're waiting on, it's already here. And you don't have to look here and you don't have to look there because it's in you. And go preach saying it's here. Where is it, sir? You're looking at it. It's in me. And we're going to walk in love. We're going to show mercy. We're going to make peace. Because blessed are the peacemakers. For they are what? So the Son of God is an expression. Way more than a confession. Are you all with me? I think I better quit. I had one more thought bombard me, but I know how it works. And two more would have came up. And then another one would have snuck around and went and came right in. The word of God is fun, man. You ought to fill your heart with the word. How do you discern a lie if you're not filled with truth? You get filled with the word of God. Don't just read your Bible to know your Bible. Read your Bible to know him. And what you'll find is that as you get to know him, you'll find yourself in him and you were always there with him from the beginning. Yay. So the clearer view you have of God, the clearer view you'll get of yourself. And then you'll have the best view of your neighbor. And all of a sudden you can love your neighbor as. Because see, most of your neighbors are saying, don't try to do that second part till you get a better revelation. People out there loving their neighbor as themselves. It's happening. (laughs) 
They nitpicky, fault-findy, can self-condemn. Then all they see is what's wrong and what they'd like to change with their neighbor if they could get them alone for five minutes. If you don't see yourself good, you'll never see your neighbor clear. If you don't see how God sees you, you'll never get a right view of you. And then you'll be blind to your neighbor. But if you ever see him the way he sees you and see yourself in him, you got the best view of your neighbor. Do you understand this? It's the reason I do what I do. It's why I drove here. It's fun to be with Matt. We're going to have lunch in a minute. And, and it's just fun seeing people and David and hanging out in this home. That's all fun. But the thing that motivates me is the kingdom of God is if a man scatters seed. I absolutely believe what I preach with passion and conviction. So I fly and I travel. I, I do all this stuff. I buy my own plane tickets everywhere I go. I never ask for an honorarium. I've never asked for a penny from you. I never do. There's about eight to ten churches a year I go to. The Lord says, take nothing. And I tell the pastor behind the scenes, we're not doing any offerings. But I'm not supposed to take anything. What? I just, just please, just say yes. Okay. I don't need a giving sermon. Just say yes. I do that eight, ten times a year. Why? It's so clean. It's, it's so holy to me. There's one reason I'm here. And it's certainly not an honorarium. I'm here because I believe what I'm saying. And I believe if you apply it to your life, and even if half of you get half of what we're saying, it's got to make a difference. Yeah? Because I say a lot. I do it on purpose. I don't have, I got four sessions. I'm, I'm going to say a lot. You listen to it again. He's like, hey, he preaches for an hour and a half, two hours. Okay. I, okay. Let's do it. Right? Hit repeat, back up, put your pen down, get notes later. Just, it's on purpose. It comes that way. It's not my fault. It's not intentional. I really think I finally understand what Jesus meant. He said, I hear and I speak. Because when I get up here, you should hear, what you should experience what I go through. People say, well, you should calm down. Well, you shouldn't read your voice. You should just, you don't even know what you're saying. Like, when I get up here, it just happens. And it's a blur and it's just, you can tell the way I preach and I go here and off and over. I couldn't have any of this pre-planned. I couldn't, I didn't have enough time to think about all this. It just, thank God for recordings. Because we got tonight. And we got tomorrow morning. So we got. No spiritual scoliosis in the house. He said, so they keep me straight. Did you catch what he said? He said, I go in once a week, they keep me straight. It's good to stay straight. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? We're going to pray. If you were here last night and we prayed for you for healing and you haven't seen that thing totally change, remember how we ended, right? Christians have what? One response. Father, thank you for loving me and thank you for what you're doing in my life. Faith is not a point in time. It's not, it's not a hit, miss, win, lose. Faith is a position of the heart to believe and receive what he paid for. Amen? And it works through, faith works through love. So, Father, I just thank you for everyone we've prayed for and surrounded with faith. I thank you for everybody that had hands laid on them and everything we've believed for, Father, this weekend. I just thank you that it's all culminating and coming to pass and that there's grace working in each one of our lives. I thank you for freedom, even through these messages, God. 
I thank you, Father, that there's freedom coming by the person of Holy Spirit. I think that we're seeing clear, we're seeing brighter, our hearts are understanding. I just pray that there be a revelation of the heart this weekend that, that people would just say, oh my goodness, I see it, I see it. And God, I just thank you that you would continue to adjust us like Pastor said, the chiropractic thing, and you would just align, bring alignment that we would walk straight before you. And God, I just thank you that the best thing that comes out of this morning is that there would be a greater representation of your name through our lives. And that, Lord God, in our workplaces, that would matter. In public, that would truly matter. That, God, within our spheres of influence, we would have a consciousness of your great name. And that that itself would begin to dictate our conduct in so many ways. So, Lord, we submit to your mercy, your grace. We know you love us. We're not on thin ice. We're not set up to fail. We're privileged to become. And we've received that calling. And we enjoy that destiny. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Bless you guys. Thanks for your patience, and I appreciate you coming out this morning. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.